Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where it's time for the games of our lives. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. The games of our lives. I don't know what that was. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, Today we're talking about, well, we thought that we could maybe kick off a series and maybe do these randomly of like games of our lives at different points in our lives, what we were playing. And I kind of took this from another podcast I listened to you. If you guys ever listened to Gamers with Jobs, they talked about the games that they were playing like the year they graduated. So the year that you turn 18, because it's kind of a big year, you become an adult, you graduate. Some of us go to college, a lot of us go to college, um, stuff like that. So I like this idea, and we decided to pull out a bunch of games that were released that year and kind of highlight them so you can see where we were at at that point in our lives. And then we picked a few that we wanted to talk about a little bit more in depth. And this is something that I'd never thought about, that I didn't even consider what year these games had come out. And then going through the list of the major releases, it surprised me how many of these I thought had come out later than they did. But they were so influential that I guess I was just playing them for years and years after this, that they were just so good that I wasn't thinking about them being released. Because I graduated in 2001. And I was thinking some of these games were released in like 2004, 2005, but I was still playing them then. So it's really, it's really neat to think about that. Yeah. And some of these, I thought it's weird because like a couple of the ones on my list, I thought must have come out earlier. And then some of them I thought must have come out later. So it's funny that like these ones all came out in the same year, basically. I guess I'll start because, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit older. My games are the older ones here. So the first one that stood out to me was Star Wars Starfighter. Did you ever play that? Yes, I remember that one. It was weird because I was so excited for it. It was one of the first PS2 games I ever got. And I was so excited because you got to fly the Naboo Starfighter. That was the whole thing. You got to fly one of the new Star Wars ships. And it was not very good. I wanted it to be Rogue Squadron, and it wasn't. And then, you know, one of the new Rogue Squadron games came out that year. I think that was one of the things that disappointed me the most about Starfighter is that Rogue Leader had come out. And it's awesome. Any of the Rogue Rogue Squadron games, I just absolutely loved and this was one of the gamecube releases which i didn't think were as good as the as the ones on the 64 but i also loved rogue leader that came out that year i mean because that was the game that was the year that the gamecube released if i'm remembering right as well based on some of these releases like luigi's mansion that now i know your daughter loved the new luigi's mansion you said right yeah, she plays that one a lot, or she did for a long time. And I have a buddy who plays the the new one. He got it on his DS recently and has been playing it. And I have, I've never been able to get into it because I think I was so disappointed at it when it came out in 2001. That was one that I was kind of disappointed in because I wanted a new Mario 64. And what I got instead was Luigi's Mansion, and it was a totally different kind of game. So I've never been able to appreciate the series because of that bias. Interesting. And did you ever... Okay, did you remember Black and White? Yes. Isn't that that God game? Yes, it was one okay. of those... It was that God game where I think it was Peter Molyneux who was yep. supposed to like re, revitalize the entire genre of real-time strategy. It was supposed to have this AI that was just fantastic. You create... You were this God creating these like avatars and... I wanted it to be so good. I followed it. I I did everything. I I bought it on release day, and I still remember how disappointed I was when it wasn't fun to play. Yeah, no, that one had some potential to it that didn't really pan out. 
Mm-mm. Like the the systems were neat. Like they they could have been so good. And I don't remember a lot about the details of the game, but when I saw it on the list of 2001, I remembered how excited I was for it and how much of a disappoint a disappointment it turned out to be. Because there are so many others that I see on this list that I'll I still have gone back and played now that I think is all that I think are awesome. Yeah, that just wasn't one of them at all. Crash Bandicoot 2 came out that year, which I thought had come out a little bit earlier actually because I remember Crash 1 having saved up money from mowing my grandfather's lawn to be able to buy the first one. So, uh, I think it was Cortex's Revenge and it was super fun. I remember loving it. And now there's a Crash Bandicoot collection out where uh, people are playing it remastered HD and I haven't picked it up yet, but based Based on, based on seeing this, I know I'm going to. That this, seeing that Crash 2 came out the year I graduated high school, I, I really want to play it again. Uh, the second Diablo... Uh, the second Diablo, that's how we refer to it now. Uh, <laughs> Diablo 2's expansion, Lords of Destruction, came out. And I hated Diablo 2 as much as I hate Diablo 3. And I, but I still played the expansion that I couldn't, I couldn't help it. Like everybody else, I played it. And uh, once again, not something that I played for a long time, but I know so many people did. And it's hard to believe that it's 16 years old now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And then Conker's Bad Fur Day. You talked a lot about this one uh, recently, just that uh, one thing that I thought about Conker's Bad Fur Day that reminded me when I saw this, you had to upgrade your Nintendo 64 to play it. Do you remember that? Mm. Was that the expansion slot thing? Yeah, yeah, you had to get extra memory in your uh, in your Nintendo 64 to be able to run it, and I think maybe Donkey Kong 64 needed it. Yeah, they they made you upgrade it for it, uh, upgrade your machine for it, and it really surprised me. And I mean, I loved Conquer, but it wasn't one that really just just stood out as being fantastic. I loved it, but it was no Banjo Kazooie to me, and because uh, that was the r- the rare game that really really made me love it on the 64 dark age of camelot came out that year dude did you play dark age of camelot i did i played it for a while but i haven't i haven't thought about that game in such a long time now i know i haven't either and then again i saw it on this list and remembered why i loved it so much because it was three faction pvp and i don't understand why more games nowadays don't do three faction pvp yeah i'm i don't know um some still do i want to say I'm trying to think of what I played recently. Is it Final Fantasy 14 that has like a three faction PVP system? They do. Okay. They do. Where I wish that the PVP there were a little more structured in in 14 because that was yeah. what was so awesome about Dark Age of Camelot. You actually had to make alliances with people to be able to take over the PVP realms and the areas that that it was just really cool. And then the last one that just kind of wanted to mention was Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Not Baldur's Gate, not Baldur's Gate 2, but the Dark Alliance series. Um, I know you and I had talked about, I can't remember if it was on the podcasters conversation we had, about the PC, the Western PC RPGs where they're isometric and clicky and, and with so much reading how those aren't necessarily for us, that that's not a, a genre that we really fall into very well. Yeah, but no, I think, this- I think that was off the podcast. <laughs> Uh, well, the, now the listeners know those aren't necessarily something that we get into very much. But the Dark Alliance 
games were the simplified Baldur's Gate games where they were for console. They were action RPGs where they had kind of platforming elements. They uh, they were uh, real-time combat. You didn't have to queue anything up. You didn't select spells or anything. It was just normal, you know, console action RPG stuff. And I didn't play this until years later after the second one had already been out. But I saw it included on this because it is one of my best memories of college. My friend Bob and I sat one summer and played this in co-op mode while my friends watched and it is one of the best gaming memories I've ever had because it's such a weirdly good bad game that it's not you know a masterpiece it is not Mario 64 it is it is not Devil May Cry it's not something that people just remember all the time but it is still some of the most fun I've ever had because of the co-op modes and have you ever played the Dark Alliance games no, no, I never really played any of the Baldur's Gate ones. I'm just not a big fan of the isometric RPG. And this one was an isometric RPG, but it being action and you controlling the character with a joystick or the analog stick instead of point and click made all the difference to me. And uh, and you weren't controlling a party as well. You're controlling one character. But, I mean, those are the ones I wanted to mention in passing, but I didn't realize that Halo came out in 2001, dude. Yeah, that's Halo a big one. one. That's that is that basically dominated my life until Halo 2 came out that that between MMOs and Halo. I mean, that was the first game that I got into a co-op mode that my friends and I played co-op Halo hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and months and years. I, I can't even imagine how much time I've invested in co-op Halo. Those maps, they were just so good. That game was revolutionary in so many ways because it really felt like that that next step up from GoldenEye on the Nintendo 64. And I will never forget because it was also the it was also at the time when the Xbox had the giant controller that yeah, for those of you who don't that. remember yeah you remember it right yep okay the, those of you who don't remember the original Xbox actually had to release a smaller controller that they called the controller S because the original controller that it came with was so big it didn't fit in a lot of people's hands that it was uncomfortable to use it was not fun to play with the buttons were hard to reach like there was so much space between each button and even the D-pad and the analog stick they had to shrink it down and start releasing a second controller and basically phase out the original one but the original halo for me we played with the original xbox controllers and i'll never forget that my friend casey it was his xbox and his tv and his controllers that we played with and since he bought the bundle at, uh when it came out uh with halo and everything he had the, the like i said the big controller and we fought each other because it was split screen uh multiplayer on this one and split screen co-op we fought each other not to have to use the gigantic controller we hated and it was really it was really funny because these are memories for me that the controller the deathmatch maps and the pistol because my friend luke would murder people with that pistol and i couldn't use anything but grenades i learned i was really good at geometry whenever i was playing halo because i'm terrible 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 at deathmatches but you give me grenades and i will stick a plasma grenade to your face 
that nice. I just I love Halo. Did you have that kind of experience with Halo? Because you would have been in high school at this point, right? I did. We did a lot of lands that were Halo. Like I don't remember how many people you could do max, but I definitely had a couple land experiences where we maxed out the amount of people you could do. Yeah, I can't remember. It was either eight or twelve, wasn't it? At that time, it was something like that, that. Yeah, that that was something I never played. Land Halo. The most I ever played was four player Halo, and so, but that was that's kind of the, this this quintessential memory of college for me is is sitting around in Suite Two A at UT Martin and playing Halo, the very first one with my buddies, and uh, that was just so awesome. I, I just I'll never forget that. And then Grand Theft Auto 3 came out that year, too. Like, this was a big year for gaming because GTA 3 came out. And again, for those of you who who don't remember, GTA 1 and 2 were overhead uh, driving games. They were the same kind of, of chase and crime game and stealing cars and doing all this. But the game redid itself like Rockstar reinvented what that game was with Grand Theft Auto 3. And it was and, and I may be wrong on this void, so correct me. It was the first open world game, right? Or at least the first majorly popular one. Um, it's it's kind of the first of the modern GTA series. I think the first two were still open world-ish, but they were, were they? they were a totally different control style and gameplay style. Like GTA 3 is what kicked off Grand Theft Auto as we know it today. Yes. And I hated it. Like I tried. I wanted to like because everybody was playing GTA 3. It was a phenomenon on this. Uh, just everything, everybody who who had a PlayStation Two was playing GTA Three, and it would have been a wonderful experience if all my friends hadn't wanted to do was go around, use cheat codes, and blow everything up. I have no idea what the gameplay was like if you played it and beat it, beat it and went through the story. Have absolutely no idea what that experience would have been like because I've watched hundreds of hours of people destroying helicopters with grenade launchers and not being able to die with God mode. And I just, it ruined the entire series for me because now that is what I recognize the series as. That's the first thought that I have, that kind of emotional response to Grand Theft Auto. I have no idea what GTA 5 is like. I just imagine it being like a glorified GTA 3, which I never got into because of just it being so aimless for the way I was introduced to it. Interesting. That's... Yeah. I don't know. I, I wonder what you would think if you tried a modern one. I, I liked GTA 3, and I played a ton of Vice City, um, mm. and then 4 was okay, and then... Oh, well... No, San Andreas was okay, and then four kind of lost me, and I tried again with five, and it just didn't grab me. So every one has a different feel to it, but I wonder yeah. what you would think if you picked up like the most recent one. I've thought about it. That was something I've seen it online on Steam and things like that. It's on sale all the time with the Rockstar uh, sales they do. So I may pick it up if it really is does feel completely different, but I'm also kind of hesitant on crime games. That's one of those genres I'm not hot on, that I'm not really... Eh, maybe. But GTA 3 was huge. Final Fantasy X came out that year. That's a big year. I didn't know that Final Fantasy X came out that year, and I guess I should have because I'm I'm thinking back to when I played it, and I was playing it in my dorm room that I lived in when we were playing Halo and GTA 3. So, of course, it would have, but I will... it. 
I just so good that I'll I'll never forget sitting on my bed being uh, cross-legged in in my dorm room listening to Final Fantasy with voice acting. I was simply blown away. That playing it on my little 19-inch dorm TV, listening to it on my CRT, it was, I just, it's such a good experience. That going back, there is no way as good as the game is, I don't think I'll ever be able to have that same feeling. Kind of like Final Fantasy VII, but with ten, it just felt so perfect almost at that point in time. Like, did you have that same reaction to 10 that I did, just where it was just so awe-inspiring and and huge and you wanted to punch Waka in the face, and but everything else was just so perfect when you played it? It was just so new? I don't think so. I, I liked it a lot, but it was kind of lumped in with like 7, 8, 9, 10 for me oh, as like okay. kind of the golden age in my mind of Final Fantasy. So 10 didn't really stand out from those others the way that you're talking about, even though it was a big leap in a bunch of ways. Um, I just liked all of those kind of back to back over the course of they came out not that far apart, honestly. They they didn't. And I no. wish Square would get back into doing that because yeah, now Final Fantasy now- 7 was like... 1997-ish, maybe mm-hmm. 96. I was and, 14, so yeah, 1997. Yeah, and then 10 was 2001, because you have it on the list. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's like four years that four games came out. And now we're getting a chibi Final Fantasy 15. We're getting the PC version. We're getting what they're calling the Final Fantasy 15 universe, which is awesome because I really do like that universe. I, I really, really love it. But I know you and I have talked off of this where... They, uh, they, they've told their story. They need to get into a different one. And I know I've talked with my buddy Austin about the same thing where he's like, this is cool, but I want Final Fantasy 16 now. So, yep. and I'm, I, I, I don't understand what changed. Do you know what changed their business model from yearly releases like that into the longer development time like this like they're doing now yeah um it's it's a combination of the fact that they merged with enix which threw some things out of whack mm-hmm. but then the other thing is that final fantasy always kind of prided themselves on being top tier for graphics yeah and when they moved to 3d um that was a big leap that took them some time but i mean that was kind of going into final fantasy 10 like you said um the biggest change was after that trying to move up into hd graphics so it was the switch over oh, from yeah. 12 to 13 that gave them a lot of trouble and because they wanted to be top tier graphics they made their own engine instead of just working in the many 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 other ones that are out there oh i didn't know that yeah yeah, that'll do it. That will absolutely do it. And so I know that uh, I know that one of these is on your list just by looking at it, but Mario Kart Advance came out that year, and it was the first handheld Mario Kart game, and it played so much like the original Super Nintendo one. And I played so much Mario Kart Advance, and I'm pretty sure that one of my ex-girlfriends kept it when we broke up because I don't have my copy anymore and I'm I'm really crazy about keeping all of my games together and organized and because I don't have it I'm fairly certain that my ex-girlfriend has now lost my copy of Mario Kart Advance and 16 years later I'm angry about it 
just that's why I wanted to uh, to include it on this list when I saw it. I mean, obviously because it's a Mario Kart game that came out, which are always awesome. But uh, but I'm pretty sure that my girlfriend stole it. The the same for the DS one. I think that the girlfriend at that time, because she was playing it on my DS, uh, stole that one too. And uh, have really bad luck playing uh, Mario Kart games with uh, women, apparently. Except for my wife, we did uh, we did a lot of Mario Kart on our honeymoon, and uh, that's a good memory. But Mario Kart Advance came out. That was awesome, and we you were able to uh, to hook up and do uh, multiplayer stuff on Game Boy and have not have to split screen. So that was cool. And then Castlevania Circle of the Moon came out. I love Metroidvania games, and this one was probably my favorite of them. That I Circle of the Moon on the Game Boy Advance was just awesome. That I don't remember any specifics about it. I just remember that this one was before Dawn of Sorrow and that Circle of the Moon was so unbelievably hard that I, I I just remember that is the main thing I wanted to say about this one in particular is that it was hard. That these games used to be, and I don't know if any of the new Castlevanias are because I haven't played them, but they used to pride themselves on how hard they could be and Circle of the Moon was unbelievably hard to me. And you don't like Metroidvania games, do you? I do, but it has to be the right ones. Um, Castlevania sometimes works for me but more often than not i i don't really like castlevania as a series um and i don't think i even played this one circle of the moon oh super good that get, it probably wouldn't hold up now that's one no. that i'm not gonna touch anymore because i've gone back and even tried to play shad not shadows of the empire that star wars uh symphony of the night and i can't because i want to leave it in memory and it is definitely an artifact of its time super great but it's not it's it's one of those retro games I'm not going to touch anymore. Well, it's um, funny because I want to keep those looking memories. Looking at your list and looking at my list, I think a lot of yours have actually aged better than mine. I think they have, which is uh, so, funny, but yeah, I don't know. And the last one on my list, speaking of things that have aged really well, is Golden Sun. Did you play the Golden Sun games or the first one specifically? No, I played the you, first one. I don't think I played any of the other ones, but I remember the first one was really fun, and I don't know if I ever beat it, but it was a good JRPG on the system. They are all fantastic. It, guys, guys, ladies, germs and gents and women folk, everybody out there listening, go play a Golden Sun game if you like JRPGs. The first one was so good. Like it was it was great. It had one problem that they fixed in later games. The the main issue in in this game was the combat. The combat was great. The story was fun. It was it was really fun to explore. The party dynamics were neat. The it, it was just it was beautiful for the time that having uh, having a really 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 pretty uh, sprite based graphics on the Game Boy Advance made it feel like this return to uh, the Super Nintendo RPGs that that I grew up with and loved. And the problem they did in the battle system was if your target died you didn't auto attack the next target in line it just skipped that character's turn and i think it was done in order to make you have more strategic uh input in turn-based battles because you couldn't just hit a and go all the way through and and just kind of mindlessly fight but it became so obnoxious whenever you you lose a turn on a really hard fight and end up dying because of it because of uh, being low or poisoned or whatever it was that they eventually remedied that where you could move on to the next target but in the first one or two i think 
they didn't, and that was so obnoxious. But everything else about it, it stands up as one of my favorite JRPGs. I've I even went back recently and played Dark Sun, which was a DS game. I think I played through it last year when we were doing our uh, JRPG episode last July. And when I was playing Chrono Trigger and things like that, and it's, they still hold up, that these games are good. And again, it's hard for me to remember, think that, that, that this one is 16 years old now. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. for me, the release year was 2005, and there are a lot of like good name games on here. But like I said, I don't think they've aged as well as yours, which is weird. But maybe it's yeah. just like has to do with the generation shift over or something. I- I'm not sure. But I have things like Call of Duty 2, Resident Evil 4, which I still think is the best one in that series. You know, Civ 4. I need to play it. I have three copies of Resident Evil 4. I have you should a PS2. probably play it. I have a PS2 version, a Steam version, and I want to say either an Origin or there, there's another online service that I have that are maybe GOG, but I've never played it. I have so many versions of RE4 and I've never touched it. So, so is it good? Yeah, it's good. I mean, if you like the Resident Evil series, I still think Resident Evil 4 is probably the best one. Okay. Well, that all right then. Lucky me. Yeah. Um. Things like Civilization 4, which is probably one of the best Civ games. There's Psychonauts, which is like a niche classic. Um, Star Wars oh, yeah. Battlefront 2. Psychonauts is 2. so good. Yeah. Um, Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is funny because Battlefront 2 is about to come out here again in like a month or two. Um, they just It's it's so funny that they dro- just dropped Star Wars from the title, and then they restarted with Battlefront last year, and now yeah. we're on Battlefront 2 again. Um, Prince of Persia, The Two Thrones, which I liked most of the Prince of Persia games, but I think this one was my favorite. Did you ever play that one? I didn't play this one. I played the first one. What was it? Sands of Time? Yeah. Okay. I, I played it, but not The Two Thrones. Yeah. Sands of Time was good. And then The Warrior Within kind of went off track a little bit. And The Two Thrones was a, was a return to form in a really good way. So I really liked that game. Um, oh, I totally forgot about the middle one. Yeah, because that it's not very I- good. Yeah, I I thought the Two Thrones was the second one. <laughs> no, it's the third one. Um, okay. And then like Mario Kart DS, like you mentioned, another handheld Mario Kart game that was really good. Um, and then God of War. I I can't believe that God of War came out so late. I figured it was earlier at some point earlier. Wow. Yeah, I would have assumed it was like two thousand two or two thousand three. Just thinking back, man, two thousand five. Really? Yeah. So a wow. couple of the games that I wanted to highlight that. I, they have not aged well, and I know this. Um, Star Wars Republic Commando, because I have tried to go back and play it, and it is rough. It is really rough to go back to that game, but I oh. love the idea, and I would love for it to be not remade or remastered. I just want a new game in this series. It was so good. That was one that I made sure that I bought when it was brand new, and I think I did a pre-order. Actually, I know I did a pre-order for it uh, at EB Games, in 2005 because I got a bonus poster and I have a uh, Scout Trooper Republic Commando action figure still in the package in my Star Wars stuff that was a bonus from the pre-order of Battlefront uh, of Republic Commando. Yeah, so I wish that they would revisit that series or spin it up again in a new form of some kind. Maybe now that they're making Star Wars games again, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Jade Empire is another one that I loved at the time, but I have gone back to in a couple different formats since then, like the PC release and Mm -hmm. the iOS release. It's just not very fun to play anymore. But again, it's another series that I wish that they would iterate on. Like if Bioware came out with Jade Empire 2 or they could call it 
Jade whatever, you know, and be a continuation of the series, I would buy it day one without knowing like anything about it. Did you ever play? You didn't play that one, right? I didn't play it. Um, I, it's one that I have meant to play and that now, based on what you say, I never will because I bought it on Steam during a sale because I love Bioware so much. And then it just kind of got shoved down to the end of the list every time I meant to play it. And now I guess I won't. Yeah, I, I just don't think it aged as well as a lot of their other games, but it was still really fun. I mean, it's basically like... It's, it's a lot like Knights of the Old Republic, except being like a martial arts master and yeah, going and that through sounds like different really cool. schools of martial arts and different styles and stuff you can switch between, which is really cool. It's just that it, it's a little bit too clunky because of the time that it uh, was made, you know? Yeah. Um, Shadow of the Colossus, I know that a lot of people still hold it up as like an amazing game. I don't think that the controls and like the oh. the responsiveness mm. of it have aged very well, which is why I'm excited they're doing the remaster right now. Hopefully that makes it better and it gets it in front of like a whole new generation of people who are playing games. Um, but even though I know that it's a classic game and it's excellent and I loved it at the time, I don't recommend going back to that one either. It's very hard to control. You're absolutely right. It feels very sluggish because I ended up, I guess it was two years ago, maybe when I was moving uh, three years ago, when I was moving, I found a demo that I had on the PS2 of Shadow of the Colossus and I loaded it up because Jennifer, we actually had the PS2 hooked up and it did not control worth my time. (laughs) I guess it's the best way to put it. I didn't want to fight with it and I knew that it's a good game. I know it's great and now that I've got a PS4, I'm definitely picking up the remaster they're doing uh, for the same reason but yeah, it really was hard to control. Yeah, so the remaster should help that, I think. Um, One other game that I haven't revisited, so I can't speak to how well it's aged, is Devil May Cry 3. Because me Hmm. and my friends loved Devil May Cry and Devil May Cry 2, and Devil May Cry 3 felt like it finally, like, nailed it. It it kind of perfected the series. And all the games after that are not necessarily as good, or they don't make as big of changes, or there's nothing, like, new that really hooks you as much as it should that make it feel like it's, it's worth being Devil May Cry 4, or... Did I think the last one they made was just called DMC and they tried to DMC. like DMC. Yeah, they tried to like reboot it. Like Devil May Cry 3 was like the perfect middle one and I'm not nearly as good at third person <laughs> action games as I used to be, but at the time I absolutely loved this game and my friend my friends and I played that one to death. Dude, I'm so bad at the Devil May Cry games. I had a key for it, and I ended up giving it to Sergeant Bilbo, and uh, he loves it. He says that DMC is great, and I I can't play them because I remember going... I, I tried DMC 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I watched tons of them. They're, they were beautiful games, but uh, my, my brain and those games, I'm just so bad at that kind of game that it was embarrassing. I always just handed the controller back to bob or whoever else was playing it being like all right here you go bud i'll just watch it's uh it's less embarrassing <laughs> and then so my last one was guitar hero because that oh, was like yeah. the game of college for me like guitar hero and oh. guitar hero 2 and i actually don't know when rock band came out exactly but definitely the first two guitar heroes we played those through college so much like we just spent night after night playing guitar hero and I'm sure that that one has aged the best out of all of these. But man, Guitar Hero was amazing. 
Guitar Hero was awesome, and I think Rock Band came out two or three years after it, maybe three, because I was out of college when Rock Band came out, and my buddies and I grabbed it, but we never even had the drums or anything. We didn't have many of the peripherals on it when we played it, so it wasn't very fun for us. Oh, I had um, all the peripherals. Rock Band was amazing, but it didn't come out for a couple years after this. And ours, our thing, and it's not even on either of our lists, so it came out between these, I think, was Dance Dance Revolution at home. We had DDR mats that we did, and we were huge into uh, DDR. That was our music game because of just being a little bit older than you. Guitar Hero wasn't out yet, so we did the DDR thing. Oh, I did tons of DDR. DDR was did great. You? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yep. Super good. Fantastic. I loved it. Cool. Well, that's about it for this topic, but this was fun, and I think we will have to do this again and pick some other significant time periods and revisit what we were playing at the time, because there are things on this list that really surprised me. <laughs> yeah, um, it really did. Looking looking through the list, actually, I think was the most fun of just picking the ones that uh, that that were the best of those, and I had the most, sig- just seeing that year really brought back a lot of memories for me, that that I don't remember a whole lot about being 18, but I remember these games. I have emotional connections to these games, good or bad, and that's awesome. Yeah, maybe we look at like movies that came out at certain times of our life or something like that, because I wonder if we would have the same reaction as games that we spent so many hours with. It would be interesting oh, to see. That would be cool. So, yeah. yeah, you guys let us know if you'd like to uh, hear us ramble about movies and things like that that came out the in certain years, too. Well, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do something more like this later. Okay, let's dive into the geeky off of the week. This week we have Gamefly again because I've still been playing a bunch of it, and it's awesome. Uh, Gamefly will ship games to you for rental. You keep it as long as you want. You ship it back. It's a really cool rental service, and I like it. So if you guys want to try it, you can get a month on us. If you go to GameflyOffer.com slash geek, helps the podcast, and you guys get a free trial. So it's pretty cool. I like it. The other thing this week is an announcement for the network. We just added a new podcast to the network, and I'm super excited about Woo! it. It is Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. So I've been talking to these guys, well, ladies. I've been talking to these ladies for a few weeks now, and we've all, everyone on the network has been listening to their podcast, and this is kind of what we do when we're vetting a new podcast. We all stealth listen for a while, and they are fantastic. (laughs) They talk about stuff that's geeky things just like us, but not just like us. I mean, they're, they're covering topics that are slightly different than what everybody else on the network does. Like, they've covered Disney movies, they've covered books, they've covered shows, they cover a lot of TV that, like, I don't think anyone else on the network has really talked about. But on top of that, they'll cover things like the MCU and like some of the bigger geeky things that kind of all of us talk about. It just felt like a great fit to get more voices on the network that were in line with us, but were covering things that were different enough. So I'm super pumped about these guys. They're and they're super nice. Like more than that, you one of the things that we look for are personable folks that we want to make sure that that you're friends with and that will be friends with us because we're we're all friends. And we think that you guys will really like them because they're they're super nice and easy to talk to and they love gifts. Like, yeah, not yeah. gifts, gifts, like animated pictures that tell stories. So we gif each other a lot. Well, and I mean, the network is not set up right now to, like, fund each other or provide financial anything. It's it's honestly just about building a community that we want yep. to be a part of. And we thought that they would be such a perfect fit for our community. So check them out. 
If you haven't yet, I know I've announced it a couple times on Twitter, but check out Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. There will be a link in the show notes, and you could just Google it, too. They'll pop up. I know they will, because I've done true. it before. They will. Um, <laughs> yep, me too. <laughs> and with that, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. What do you got this week? Um, well, I found out about two hours ago that I got a full-time job, so I'm geeking out about that real hard. Congratulations. Uh, after about a year of freelancing, I have uh, had the longest job interview in history where I put in an application on in November, like two days after I turned in my resignation and uh, heard back in February uh, with Elegant Themes, ElegantThemes.com, a WordPress uh, software company, and uh, to be a content contributor and content writer. And I heard back in February, wrote some articles uh, as a test, have been contributing regularly to the blog and uh, i've been talking with their content manager working with them uh, freelance for a few months now and they brought me on board today i'm super excited about it because i'm going to be doing live streams every friday afternoon called this week in wordpress i'm going to be able to go to word camps and uh, represent the company and uh, it's just you know health insurance and retirement <laughs> it's it's uh, uh it's the adulting kind of thing but i am super excited to be a full-time writer and content creator uh it's kind of what i've wanted to do forever so i'm i'm stoked and you guys should totally go read all of my articles and watch my streams and yeah uh but i'm super excited about that because this is two hour old news as of this recording so that's awesome i'm super excited for you i have known that you've been working towards this for a long time but we didn't want to broadcast it until something was official so i'm i'm really pumped for you yeah i'm super excited to be able to finally say something so those of you who are listening on twitter i said cool things were coming up it's like this is it i got my full-time thing Woo! um i also played the prey demo did uh, you you talked to me about prey a long time ago where it's kind of like bioshock but sci-fi made by uh by bethesda and yes. it was on sale this weekend on playstation network and pretty much everywhere actually i think uh, all across the board and so i downloaded it on the ps4 and i really really like this game it's very, very good, but there are things about it that I'm not too hot about. I love the setting. I love the way that it tells a story. I love the story that they're starting to tell because it is very sci-fi Bioshock, but the demo ended before I was able to make a real decision on whether I liked the combat that it it didn't last quite long enough to let me figure out if I would play it for an extended period of time because I mean I probably have 40 minutes on it or something like that and this one I'm ambivalent about I really can't make a decision so when I do Gamefly I'm going to Gamefly this one uh, specifically to get a little more time in and see if the combat really just sticks a little bit more with me because right now it feels a little clunky and i like bioshock because you listen to all of the audio tapes that you pick up throughout it you listen to these voice diaries and recordings and there is far more reading in prey you're reading emails as opposed to picking up any kind of voice logs and that's really really distracting to me that that really does break the flow of the gameplay so I mentioned the other week that you don't like reading games that much if it's not like yeah yeah it, it, it's just well it's all the time it's not something it's like every new room has somebody else's terminal where you read three emails and then you move to the next desk and it has another couple of different emails and it's you know 
a couple would be fine because I'll go back and read them, but it, it really does break the pace of this very tense game with checking everybody's emails on their desks. Um, no, that's sad. I, I did play the demo of that one and I thought that you might like it, but I wasn't sure. So it sounds like you've kind of landed in that same spot. You might like yeah, it, but you're not sure. I'm not sure. So I'll I'll eventually try a longer version of it because I like it enough to want to play more of it, uh, but not sure if I want to play all of it. Um, and then yesterday afternoon, I had a few, a little, about an hour left of just, just to kill, and I started The Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix with uh, Timothy Oliphant and Drew Barrymore. Um, I had avoided this for a very long time. People told me that I would like it, and I avoided it because I don't like zombie stories. Do not like zombie stories that I'm really tired of The Walking Dead. I'm really tired of just everything about eating brains and ah, just real tired of it. But this is really hilarious that Santa Clarita Diet hits that level of not quite horror comedy because there's not really any horror to it. It's like a family sitcom where the mom turns into a zombie, but she doesn't act like a zombie. She acts exactly like herself, except she has to eat people. And she's a real estate agent still selling real estate. And I love it so far. I've seen three episodes of it. and I'm so finishing it because it made me laugh out loud when I'm home alone. And that is a that is as high a praise as I can give a comedy. So I'm definitely going to keep it up, even though I didn't think that I was going to like it. You might even like it if you haven't tried it because it's not a horror show. Maybe there's another zombie thing like that where the person was a functioning like modern day and they worked in a morgue i can't remember the name was of it was it i zombie yeah that was it so it sounds I've, similar to that it's way more fun than i zombie to me okay. i watched the first episode of i zombie and bounced off of it it just wasn't quite what i wanted this one is like 20 22 25 minute episodes of that what feels just like a quirky sitcom uh oh, way cool. more than the i zombie that 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 takes itself a little more seriously I will wait for you to watch more, and then you'll tell me whether or not it's worth my time. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Right now, I'm thinking that it might be. Okay, you'll get so, back to me when yeah. you make a better decision. Um, I will. For me, I have to acknowledge Game of Thrones Season 7 just ended. I'm not going to spoil anything, because I know some people probably haven't watched it yet by the time you're listening to this. Um, I, I really liked parts of this season. I really had some problems with other parts of this season in terms of like pacing and travel and some of the things that happened, but... I think my favorite part of the season was Jamie's story arc. He's yes, always been Jamie interesting. Is awesome. Yeah, he's always been an interesting character, but this season we really got to see him have a super interesting arc throughout the whole thing. And yeah. I love where they left him right at the end of the season. And I don't want to say more than that cuz it gets into spoilers, but I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on Jamie going forward. Yeah, Jamie has always been one of my favorite characters, and he's not always the most likable character, but he is one of the characters who I feel like throughout the entire show has a true character arc where he evolves more than just about any character, and I love where the season ended with him, that with the stuff that happened in the finale, it surprised me. But at the same time, it had been led up to so well that it felt completely organic. 
Yes, yes, it was really, really good. Um, another thing from this week was that Blizzard released a couple videos to go along with, I think it was Gamescom this week. It's whatever the German that's big what game was. show is. Um, one of them was a May origin video, which is really cool because May is probably the closest thing that I have to a main in Overwatch. So that was fun really? to see. Huh. Yeah. And then the other one was a Hearthstone musical that's only a couple minutes, but it's like a whole musical number for Hearthstone. And I watched that and then I immediately called my kids over <laughs> and had them watch it and they loved it. So that was really fun. And then you sent it to me and said, you have to watch this. And so I watched it. I haven't seen the May one yet because I keep forgetting to click on it. Uh, I'm busy when I see it and then forget to watch it later. But I do love May. Like, that's that's really cool because I love the character and other stuff that they've done. Yeah, it made me want to play Hearthstone. If only, you know, I'm like two expansions behind right now. So I know if I wanted to get into like actual viable modern decks right now, it'd probably yeah. be like a hundred bucks to get back up to speed. Which you should always do what I did and just disenchant a bunch of your old stuff and uh, play with the new in the new standard sets. I, del- I just de'd a bunch and made myself a couple of decks that work now out of the uh, out of the standardized template decks that they have. This st- whatever those are called. Yeah, I think I might just wait until the next time that I'm really going to get back into it because it's it's almost like I have friends who get into magic and go through phases of playing Magic the Gathering and then not. And every yeah. time they get back in, it costs them like multiple hundred dollars to buy back in. Oh, and yeah. I feel like I'm at the same spot. Like I've never really been into Magic for that, but I'm kind of at that spot with Hearthstone right now is that when I want to get back into it, I'm willing to buy back in, but I'm just not there at the moment. Honestly, yeah. it might be the next time that I travel seriously because it is oh. one of my favorite travel games of all time. Like I have played so much Hearthstone in airports and like waiting for oh, transportation and in hotels um it, it is fantastic for that so i might just wait you know they might get a couple more expansions through by then so i would be able to skip some of them and not have to pay money to keep up uh, hey, yeah just not yet you always thinking i'm tapping my temple like you have to when you say always thinking but nobody can see it so uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, and then I tried a couple Gamefly games this week. I tried Valkyria Revolution, which did you ever play the first Valkyria game, Valkyria Chronicles? No, I see them everywhere, but I've never played one. And I've meant to because I see them everywhere and just no, never. Okay, so Valkyria Chronicles is the first one. And it's a really interesting turn-based strategy game. Um, it's not like on a grid or anything. You have free movement and you also have guns. So it's not, I mean, it is, it's not really fantasy setting. It's like an alternate history Europe going okay. into like World War One-ish. But huh. some parts of it are kind of World War Two-ish in terms of technology. Um, and it's, I don't know, there's also some hints of magic. So it's kind of fantasy, but it's, it's not like swords and sorcery. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought yeah. it was swords and sorcery. I didn't, I didn't realize it's not, that. It's not swords and sorcery at all. And it's it's good there are some problems with the first game but it's very very interesting i've never beaten it because there are points you hit in that game that just get like crazy difficult and even if you lower it to the easiest difficulty some of the battles in that are still almost impossible to beat unless you have a strategy guide and you do exactly what it says every single time which i hate oh my yeah but it means that they had a really good base game and all they had to do was iterate on it and improve it and make it better and at this point there has been there were two direct sequels, and now this is the next kind of sequel, but kind of spinoff. So I keep okay. trying them, hoping that it's going to build on that first original formula, and none of them ever really did. Um, 
they all did things that were slightly different and worse because of it. So this is one that just came out not that long ago, sometime in the last month, I want to say. And it's like it's like a hack and slash third person action game, but not a good one. So that's sad. That's not what I was after. And this one is a lot more like swords and sorcery, which is also not what I was going for. And that's a weird change to make it with everything in the same series, at least in the same like title series, the titular series. Why would they change everything about it? I don't know, but they keep doing it. They, I, I keep hoping they'll go back to the original formula at some point and iterate on that instead of what they have done. But I'm kind of running out of patience with it. Um, yeah. But the other game I tried from Gamefly this week was Shadow Tactics Blades of the Shogun because one of my friends had talked this one up a lot when it came out on PC. And it is a real-time strategy stealth game. So you never have very many units. Um, when I played through, I only had like two or three units at a time. Hmm. And you can you only ever control one at a time. You switch back and forth between them. And okay. you kind of like, you know, stealth. But sometimes you'll have to like get to a certain point with one to unlock something for the other character. That kind of switching back and forth. All right. It was really cool and it had a lot of really good ideas in it. But it sucked on the controller. So I talked to my friend who had talked it up and I was like, I like a lot of thinking here, but the controller is just killing it for me. How is it on PC? And he goes, oh yeah, I bet it would be horrible on a controller. You got to get it on PC. So it's one where I returned it to Gamefly and I'm not going to buy it on PS4, but I immediately added it to my Steam wishlist. And whenever it falls Mm. low enough in price, I'm going to grab that game. Why didn't you put in a mouse and keyboard in your PS4? I, I have never done that. I will never do that. There's, you can do that, that seems dumb to me. I know you can do it, but I, I never would do that. I have a friend who plays uh, Final Fantasy fourteen on the PS4 and controls it with a controller, but has the keyboard and mouse and everything hooked up so that he can type and communicate better. Seems like you could have done that with Shogun or Shadow Tactics, and then you could have used a mouse and keyboard without having to worry about the rest of it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. <laughs> there is no good setup in a living room for a mouse and keyboard i've tried it in the past and it's yeah. just it's horrible now that no. is that is absolutely true i've uh i've seen people try to do mouse and keyboard in the living room on the coffee table uh to play wow on the big tv and it's it's painful yeah well that'll about do it for this week you can write to us with comments suggestions or feedback our email address is geek to geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at geek to geekcast we also have the longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast and remember we are part of the podcast network like we mentioned earlier and if you're not listening to each and every one of our podcasts you need to go to geek to geekcast.com and see if we have anything that tickles your fancy like Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. Yes, you guys should check it out. They're awesome. Um, I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I'm back to blogging and podcasting at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beige with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, geekies. Hey 
everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we're the hosts of the podcast, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture. We try to have a female perspective on things, but we really just talk about anything we like. What are some recent topics we've done, Katie? Uh, Well, we've talked about girl power songs, Wonder Woman, Veronica Mars, young adult fiction novels, San Diego Comic Con, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice is and download our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and start listening today.